This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Mellanox launches ConnectX5 and Cavium buys QLogic. Plus a preview of ISC. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into a special ISC preview edition of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman, the editor of Top500.org. Michael, This Week in HPC, we've got a lot of news leading up to the ISC conference next week, and we'll get to a complete preview of the conference. But I think our biggest story this week was the introduction of the new ConnectX5 adapters from Mellanox. Right, this is their fifth generation ConnectX. They started way back with uh, QDR, I believe, back when they had uh, 40 gigabits per second InfiniBand. So this is ConnectX5, which is also gonna not just be InfiniBand, but also um, Ethernet. They're gonna support Ethernet with a, a, a different variant of this. But th- And this is still an EDR uh, InfiniBand ConnectX uh, adapter. Right, there's not a new letter to go with the DR. We're still EDR. We're still EDR and still 100 gig uh, Ethernet. They they haven't moved the speed, but they've added a lot of smarts to this one. It's it's sort of like what I would consider sort of a talk version of what Intel does. They they move up to a, a different uh, transistor density and then they, they sort of enhance the architecture. And that's sort of what they've done here. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is a collection of features that all have to do with uh, what Mellanox is referring to as in-network computing. The idea of taking these uh, intelligent or smart uh, adapters, smart switches, and moving a lot of the computational power now into your network fabric with the idea being that for uh, bits of data that are shared by multiple nodes, you can compute them in the network without moving the computation all the way onto one node or another. Yeah, exactly. And this is not their first foray into into this model. They've done it with their their latest InfiniBand switch. They moved some of the, the MPI uh, communication processing into the switch, and they're doing that now with the adapter as well. So you can put different parts of, of that MPI logic, the collectives, and uh, some of the data reduction into into the adapter. So while the CPU is cranking away and the data is flowing through this adapter as you're passing the MPI messages around, the processing can actually take place in these adapters, or in some cases in the switch, which makes things a lot more efficient when you consider that often the CPUs are are under load and the adapter can do some of this data reduction and massaging and sort of make the whole the whole system more efficient and increase messaging rates. Yeah, and I think it's a step toward a lot more than just MPI offloading. They're right. opening the door to this being a, a lot of different sorts of computing that could be done in the network when it's more efficient to do it there as opposed to passing a message. Right, exactly. I mean, the kind of reduction and other types of, of data manipulation they're talking about for MBI, MPI can also be done for things like like, like web searching and then all sorts of uh, data analytics where you're passing the information around from node to node as well. Anything that, that has sort of these fundamental properties that, you know, lend itself to sort of parallel computing in network uh, to make that... Uh, the whole application load more specific uh, can be done here. So I think this this feature, you know, can be used in very interesting ways uh, if if uh, some of the the application users sort of get onto this and realize they can uh, speed up their messaging rates rather rather interesting in interesting uh, methods here. 
Yeah, and I think the important thing here is that it continues to differentiate Mellanox in other interesting ways in a world where they're going to have to be competing with Omnipath as something that's built into the Intel scalable system framework. It starts to get integrated with the Xeon and Xeon Phi chips. Mellanox is going to need to have a stable of of differentiated technology to argue against what you know to argue why you need a, a Mellanox interconnect instead of Omnipath. Right, and I think that's part of what's going on here. They're, they're, Mellanox is competing against what really for the first time in years is sort of a viable alternative to their their fabric. I mean, they're they're now at the same speed, which is 100 gig, and the latencies are are similar enough, I think. So the thing that's going to become important, I think, going forward is feature set and uh, sort of how to increase the uh, throughput of the applications. And you, you do that in various interesting ways, but it's the, the inter- interconnect, interconnect space is getting a little more complicated now as these sort of approaches and strategies diverge. One thing we do know from our end user surveys is that across the industry, end users do tend to have a slightly more favorable view of forward-looking view of InfiniBand as a future than they do of Omnipath. But, you know, that's what the caveat of Omnipath is pretty new and, right. uh, uh, and it's positive impressions of both. So, you know, we're going to have to see how the market continues to respond. But nevertheless, I, I think this is an interesting uh, announcement from Mellanox. It's going to be some strong news for them to carry them into ISC. Before we get to the preview of that show, there's another piece of big news we're going to have to talk about here quickly, which is Cavium, which has been one of the, the ARM vendors we've really talked about that's notable in our space, the 64-bit ARM processors has announced its intention to acquire QLogic, which is still around, of course. QLogic had sold off its InfiniBand business to Intel a while ago, but was still a semiconductor company. So now we've got Cavium buying QLogic and a pretty big deal. Yeah, pretty big, I would say so. It's it's over a billion dollars, I think 1.36 billion when they, they, the ink dries here. So that's a, that's a big acquisition for, you know, not a, not a huge company, um, so it's it's definitely going to impact their business in a very significant way, one way or another. Uh, and they're going to pick up QLogic's, uh, like you said, the the non-InfiniBand business, which was basically fiber channel, Ethernet, and, and a few other pieces, and a lot of software, actually, that, that went along with that. Uh, Cavium, of course, produces, like you said, the, the general purpose ARM chips for servers. They sort of just got into that business, but they also produce a lot of specialty chips for the uh, data center market, for uh, you know, for for routing type things, security and and other types of of uh, sort of niche embedded type of applications, and it's an interesting uh, sort of overlap. But uh, I think they they went to QLogic basically for a lot of the software, and then some of the uh, synergies they could find in the uh, the intellectual property on the networking side. It's worth noting, Michael, that the market did not respond well to this news. They kind of punished Cavium stock down about 16% in the first day and a half since right. its, uh, since its previous close before the announcement. What about you, Michael? Do you like this announcement or not? I, I'd like it more than the stock investors do. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's going to do anything for them short term, which I think is was, was why the stock tanked so badly. Um, the interesting part to me, at least for, for our community of uh, the performance-minded uh, people, is 
there there might be something going on with Thunder X and and the QLogic's RDMA Ethernet technology. They partnered on this technology about a year ago, uh, looking right. to looking to create uh, a more integrated platform for cloud and hyperscale uh, type of platforms. Um, so now that they're together, they might develop that in some interesting way. They they didn't talk about that in the in the uh, acquisition, but further down the line, we might see something interesting along those lines, and that could pan out as something as a as a high performance product uh, down the road. But uh, nothing that's going to pay the bills right now. And uh, yeah, the markets, like you said, didn't like that. They they bumped up QLogic stock quite a bit. That was a that was a good deal for them. But for now. Uh, Calvium's a little bit in the tank stock-wise. Yeah, as much as our listeners like it when we disagree, Michael, I'm with you on this. I think for the high-performance lines, I do see the synergy there with the QLogic and and, uh, Thunder X2, the RDMA features for the high-performance space. You know, we didn't mention the news from QLogic about two weeks ago. We had a lot of other news going on. We didn't get to another story that you did cover on top500.org that Calvium it introduced a new Thunder X2 ARM chip that moved them to a 54-core chip, pushed them to 14 nanometer technology. Now we haven't, you know, we we when we had a busy week, we didn't get to that one because there, we still haven't seen a whole lot of ARM adoption yet right. in HPC. There's some research projects out there, but I think to the extent that we go into ISC and people want to talk about ARM, uh, this Cavium Thunder X2 ought to get some attention. Yeah, I think so too. That was a very interesting chip. I looked into it, wrote up uh, a little piece on it, and yeah, they they are you know by way of attacking the data center market, they're attacking the HPC market to some extent with this thing. They think they can compete compete pretty well against the uh, Intel E5 chips in this area, and it's it's actually a pretty impressive piece of silicon. So we'll see how they they start to message that out as as these chips get uh, released. It's not out yet, but. Uh, it's, it looks like a very interesting chip, and maybe some of the HPC uh, research organizations will pick it up and evaluate it. Well, Michael, we've been talking about ISC a little bit in the context of these stories. You're already in Frankfurt. I'll be there tomorrow. You tell me, what are we looking forward to here? You know, this looks like a really interesting conference. I'm not just saying that because I'm in Frankfurt, and it's kind of exciting because of that. Um, uh, there seems I always a, love ISC every year. You don't have to I convince do. me. It's a good conference. Uh, this this conference, I think, is going to be, I think, especially interesting because there's a there's a big theme about machine learning in there, starting with the uh, the opening keynote from Andrew Eng from Baidu. I mean, he's going to talk about you know Baidu's interest in uh, in deep learning, machine learning, what they've done with it to date, and how it fits into the uh, the HPC story. So I'm really looking forward to that keynote. But the whole, actually, the whole um, conference has a number of sessions and panels and and research uh, papers on uh, machine learning, and it, it's it's almost a dominant theme here. I think that was done on purpose, but it, that part's going to be very interesting because it's not typical traditional HPC. They're bringing in sort of a lot of new faces and companies and technologies into this conference this year. It'll be interesting just from that point of view. Yeah, machine learning is a big deal because this is the the area in which HPC meets hyperscale. Now we're covering both, of course, and they're different markets with different needs, but machine learning is the area of overlap. So I think what you're seeing is there is a lot of hyperscale out there, but then when you start talking about things like machine learning or or uh, or uh, some of the more scalable technology, some of the software areas like OpenStack, 
you know, you do see some of these overlap areas. That's going to continue to be a big deal. Right, and one of the one of the interesting uh, uh, sessions or a series of sessions, I think on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, is going to be about autonomous vehicles driving with data and analytics. Now, you know, when's the last time you would think that there would actually be uh, a session or a whole series of sessions on that topic? I mean, it's it's sort of penetrated the space in just a, a very interesting way. And unfortunately, that uh, that particular set of sessions bumps up against or is running in parallel to an exascale architecture session, which is also going to be very interesting. So if you're interested in both of those topics, uh, you're going to have to uh, choose one. But um, yeah, a lot of uh, actually that's the other I think theme we're seeing. There's going to be a lot of exascale. Uh, sessions and, and panels on over the three days of the conference. So if you're into that topic, there's there's plenty to be had here. Yep. Also new this year, there's a whole industry track. Our analyst crossfire session that I moderate is going to be part of that industry track Wednesday afternoon at 3.30. We were talking about Baidu before. Brian Catanzaro of Baidu is one of my crossfire panelists on the end user side together with Gerd Bütner from Airbus. Then on the vendor side, I got Francis Lamb of Huawei and Galad Shainer of the aforementioned Mellanox. So I've got another uh, high action packed panel coming up with uh, Analyst Crossfire. That's just one of the places you can see us. Um, I'll be, of course, moderating the vendor showdown panel Monday afternoon as well, together with Rupak Biswas of NASA, my uh, co-conspirator there. We've got the uh, ISC Happy Hour that we're co-sponsors of. We're also sponsors of the Women in HPC Luncheon, which is something that we've always felt strongly about. It's nice to see that group uh, coming together a little more formally. Well, it sounds like you're going to be pretty busy over those three days. Yeah, I'm going to do some work while I'm there, too. Yes, I'm sure. The thing we should also, before I forget, there's for people who weren't able to make the conference, at least on the last day, there's going to be a live streaming of the uh, basically the closing session. So the Student Cluster Competition Awards and Thomas Sterling's talk on the highlights of HPC in uh, 2016, and then the closing session remarks as well. And that'll be live streamed. So if you didn't happen to make it to Frankfurt this year, you'll be able to see that live. I think if you're on the West Coast, it'll, it'll end up being in the morning, uh, East Coast, maybe a little bit later in the morning, but uh, it'll, it'll be there and you can see it all as if you were here. Uh, so that'll be kind of fun for people who didn't make the conference this year. And, of course, another way that you can keep up if you're not there in Frankfurt is listening to our podcast. We'll come back with another special episode of This Week in HPC where we might have some big news around Top 500 when that announces early next week. I wouldn't be at all surprised. All right. Well, Michael, I'm excited and I'll see you there. And uh, hopefully you'll keep tuning into some special episodes next week. That'll wrap it up for this week. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.